right, everybody, welcome to episode number 103 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, little buddy, how are you? I say, Chris? Oh my, this is awkward. I completely forgot that Chris will not be joining us this evening. Unfortunately, we have been unable to get our schedules to match up, so it seems that I will indeed be riding solo. But that's okay, because tonight we are actually heading down to my hometown of Yonkers, New York, to discuss what some call one of the most haunted locations in all of Westchester County, New York. A location, I might add, that I am very, and I mean very, familiar with. And I'm going to reveal how I'm so familiar with this location later on in the show. My good people, tonight we are going to be taking a look at the haunted John Copcut Mansion located on 239 Nepperhan Avenue, right in the heart of downtown Yonkers, New York. Now, for those of you familiar with the area, uh, you're going to be saying... There's no mansion on Nepperhan Avenue. Oh, but there is. The mansion, believe it or not, still stands today, but it is now known as the St. Casmer's Rectory. That's right. So you're probably saying to yourself, they turned (laughs) a supposed haunted location into a church rectory? They did, and that actually got me thinking. Does the fact that a religious place purchased a supposed haunted location. Does that therefore squash the paranormal entities within the location? Absolutely not. What are you even suggesting? Where the hell is Chris? I am offended. Or does that kind of exacerbate the situation? I mean, now you got a good versus evil kind of vibe going on. I mean, that's just something that we're going to have to consider, especially when we start talking about the paranormal activities that have taken place at this location from the time of its construction, which is all the way back in the 1800s, to up until current day. So we're going to unravel all this and see what the hell is actually going on at the John Cup Cut mansion slash St. Casmer's Rectory. But before we do that, we're going to have to do what I always say we need to do each and every week on this show. We're going to have to go backwards in order to go forward. So let's get right into it. You're probably thinking the same thing I was. Who the hell is John Copcut and why is his place so haunted? Well, in order to find out that, we're going to have to go all the ways back to the early 1800s. 1805 to be exact. That is when our man of the hour, John Copcott, was born in Oxfordshire, England. That's right, not Oxfordshire, like some of these New York heathens I know would pronounce it. But no, I've actually looked it up. I did my due diligence. It's actually pronounced Oxfordshire. Our man JC was born in England, and he immigrated to New York City in 1817 with his family when he was but a mere 12 years old. That is where he attended schools and actually worked with his father in mahogany importing business. And the longer Copcut worked with his father in this industry, the more passionate he grew about it. And it's actually that interest and passion in the importation of wood and mahogany more specifically that took John and his dad up to Yonkers. It seems that in 1824, so John now had to be about 19 years old, he's still a teenager, but 
being a teenager in 1824 is far different than what being a teenager is in today's society. So he's probably a, already a, a rugged uh, workhorse. But anyway, 1824, John and his dad head up to Yonkers to check out a bunch of sawmills. And it's actually that industry that led John Copcut back to Yonkers throughout the years. And by 1845, he had invested in a number of mills in Yonkers. And then that leads us to Copcut buying land on Neprahan Avenue there. And thus, beginning the construction of tonight's topic, the haunted John Copcut Mansion. It wasn't necessarily haunted at the time. So at this point, we're just going to refer to it as the John Copcut Mansion. So that's a brief synopsis on the history of who John Copcut was and how and why he ended up in beautiful, and I mean beautiful, downtown Yonkers, New York. Now, initially, when the mansion was built, there was no bizarre happenings or any kind of paranormal entities showing themselves for at least the, the first, uh, let's say, five to ten years. But around the early to mid-1860s, things started to change because apparently a bunch of rumors began to circulate around Yonkers that there was something a little bit bizarre going on at the old Cop Cut Mansion. Now, I actually found this great book called Ghosts and Legends of Yonkers by Jason Medina. He had some very detailed information on there that I was able to uh, gather here because we're going back, like I said, to the 1860s here. And uh, I'm going to quote what uh, Mr. Medina says here. He says that during the late 1860s, People used to gather around the old mansion, hoping to catch a glimpse of ghostly apparitions. The occurrences became so popular that the Yonkers Herald newspaper printed headlines about the supposedly haunted mansion on Nepperhan Avenue. For a long time, it was the city's only ghost story. But you know, that gets me thinking. Did the townsfolk here, did they start spreading these rumors because you had this new rich entrepreneur coming into town. He was the big talk of Nepperhan Avenue, building his mansion there and whatnot. So could it have been offsetting to the locals? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's definitely a possibility, but more so, I'm thinking that someone somewhere along Nepperhan Avenue must have seen something that really freaked them out. The belief and fear in the paranormal was probably much higher back then. So all it took was one person saying that they saw some kind of bizarre entity roaming around a property at night or whatnot, or some kind of bizarre figure floating past the window that looked very suspicious to them. And then, like I said, that starts spreading around. Then you get yourself a group. <laughs> then all of a sudden you got a group forming outside the mansion to do a little bit of ghost hunting, right? Which we all love to do. But, you know, we're talking 1860s here. So... It was probably a little bit disconcerting to uh, old cop cut here to have a mob start to form around his house <laughs> looking for answers. But anyway, that got me thinking, who was roaming around the cop cut mansion at this time? And believe it or not, as I looked into it, I found out John Copcut's daughter ended up marrying Dr. Charles Leal. Old Chuck here was a surgeon in the Union Army. But not only that, he was the first doctor to respond to President Abraham Lincoln when he was shot by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater on April 14th of 1865. I thought that was a pretty interesting fact. And I'm wondering now, was that news of Lincoln being shot and Copcut's son-in-law, I'm assuming they were married at the time, I do not know, but he must have been known in the area and must have been hanging around the mansion because his daughter eventually married him there. But I'm wondering, did 
the fact that Dr. Leo was associated with this house in some way, did people then begin to think that the ghost of Abraham Lincoln could somehow be roaming around those very grounds? I mean, I'm grasping here, but we're talking 1860s? I mean, these people might have been nuts. Who the hell knows? So, I mean, it's just as good as any other idea. But anyway, we're seeing now that pretty much right at like the 10-year mark from when this place was built, people were already starting to get the idea that there was something a little bit supernatural taking place around the grounds of the Cop Cut Mansion. And that sentiment seemed to grow throughout the years, especially after the mansion ended up being sold. We come to find out that in 1895, at the age of 90, John Cupcut passed away. He was survived by his wife and children, but unfortunately his wife passed away a mere four years later. And uh, I'm guessing she had to be up there too if John was already 90. So at that point, we're talking 1900 now. It is at that point that St. Casimir's Roman Catholic Church takes over ownership of the John Cupcut Mansion. They immediately turn it in to the St. Casimir's Convent, where they housed the sisters or the nuns of St. Casimir's Church. And within those coming years, St. Casimir's Church taking over this property here, they eventually build their parish. And believe it or not, I actually read that the John Cupcott Mansion, where it's located now on the property, was not its original spot. The original spot of the Copcut Mansion is where the St. Casimir's Church stands today. I'm going to go into detail a little bit later and give you guys a visualization of how the property is laid out. But I thought that was pretty interesting just because the fact that, you know, you're talking about moving a two and a half story stone mansion, albeit 50 yards from its original site. But still, I mean, that's got to be quite the feat. So I don't know how accurate that is, but that is something that I came across. Things kind of reach a pinnacle in the early 1900s, maybe around 1910 to 1915. That's when, again, the local Yonkers townsfolk, <laughs> that group of uh, misfits on Nepperhan Avenue, they begin seeing ghostly apparitions that are roaming around. But at this point in time, there was a statue constructed, and that was a statue of Thaddeus Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko. Who happens to be a military leader and a national hero in Poland. And I should have mentioned that St. Casmers and the surrounding area at the time was very heavily influenced by Polish immigrants. And that's exactly why they built this statue to Kosciuszko. They construct this statue, and <laughs> which still stands there today, I might add. And it is a little creepy looking. I'll, I'll give the people of the early 1910s that. It is creepy looking. But something must have happened because it sparked fear within the people who lived nearby. So much so that they said that they were noticing ghosts emerging from around the statue. It created so much fear that, once again, the local Nepperhead Avenue crew started surrounding the grounds. And this time they were locked and loaded waiting to put a bullet through any transparent being they see floating out of the <laughs> floating out of the ground. So th things are reaching a, a fever pitch at this point. Things are going crazy. People begin to suggest that perhaps this was the ghost of John Copcut. And obviously the apparitions that were existing in the home of John Copcut at the time when he was still alive was not him. But now, after his death, people are seeing these uh, ghostly apparitions emerging from the, the grounds. And people are thinking now that this could be the spirit of John Copcut. And that's where I began thinking, could this statue of Kosciuszko have put John Cupcut's spirit in such a jealous rage that he had no choice 
but to return from the afterlife? Oh, brother. I mean, what else could it possibly be? If it's not Kosciuszko himself, and people are surmising that it's Copcut spirit, I mean, that would make perfect sense, right? All of a sudden, you have the statue that everybody's paying honor to. They had the initial unveiling of it in 1913. And then every anniversary, pretty much, they, they do some kind of a special event to honor the statue out there. And I mean, I'm going back, even I'm looking at an article here from the Herald Statesman on September 7th of 1963, the 50th anniversary of the statue of Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko. Could that be something that sent our man JC into a fit of rage that he can no longer control, that he had no choice but to emerge from the depths of those grounds? We don't know, and we may never know, because uh, if we're going back now in history, when the nuns, and remember we said this was converted into a convent, the nuns were asked, had they noticed anything? Well, they were hush-hush. They wouldn't break. They wouldn't say a word. Even if they had seen something, they had their poker face on. They weren't letting us know anything. Although it is suggested that some of the nuns were disappointed that they didn't see anything. And uh, I'm going back to uh, this book now, Ghosts and Legends of Yonkers by uh, Jason Medina. And I'm actually going to quote here from Medina's book because he says it better than I can. The nuns, they believed that the late Monsignor Dworzak who was the founder of St. Charisma's Roman Catholic Church in Yonkers, I should have added, he had driven out whatever was haunting the mansion at the time of the purchase. He went through, and this is what I found interesting, he went through the entire mansion with holy water like a man on a crusade. Let me ask you, what's that sound like to you? To me, that sounds like someone saw something that they didn't like, they got terrified, and they put... Monsignor Dworzak, right on the case. And he was, uh, well, I don't want to say a bad word when referring to a Catholic church, he was heck-bent on getting those ghosts out of there. <laughs> so, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. But trusting the good people of my old neighborhood in South Yonkers and Nepperhan Avenue and Elm Street, that coupled with Monsignor Dworzak's actions to rid this place immediately of any paranormal entities... I gotta think that there's some validity to this. But either way, things remain somewhat dormant for the next few decades. There were some sightings here and there, but nothing that contained any bombshell evidence. So if we're being honest at this point, things have somewhat subsided. That was until the mid-1950s. That is when the convent, the St. Casmus Convent, which was the old John Cupcut Mansion, was now being converted into the St. Casmus Rectory for the priests which it still is to this very day, I might add. That is what got people going again. So once again, by the mid-50s to the late-50s, even into the 60s, there were a number of sightings taking place all along the grounds, but pretty much focused on the cop-cut mansion itself and seeing bizarre figures within the upper windows. And as we mentioned before, there were still some ghostly apparitions that people say they had witnessed emerging from or around the statue of Kosciuszko. So, again, this is a local legend, so it's not going to die. It's it's going to keep growing. There are some downtimes, but once again, now here we go, now into the early 1970s, this is when the whole thing gets rejuvenated. That is when, on Tuesday morning of July 18th of 1972, the Herald Statesman releases an article entitled, Ghost Story 
Copcut Mansion spawned many a spooky tale. Now, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from this article here and see if we can find anything that backs up my claim that there might really be something going on here. So uh, let's take a look at this. Now, I got to throw on my monocle here because I can hardly see the fine print in this article here. Uh, like I said, this is dated back in 72. So, I mean, the paper's weathered. Print is very fine. I can barely see it, but I'm going to do my best here. So uh, let's see. It says, uh, 105 years ago in Yonkers, crowds gathered outside Old Copcut Mansion on Nebrahan Avenue for a glimpse of the ghostly apparitions that had been seen there. According to headlines, it was and continues to be savored off and on as what is probably the city's only big ghost story. Even without spectral visitation, the matter popped up again in 1957, here we go, when the old home of John P. Copcut was converted into the rectory of St. Casmer's Roman Catholic Church. But nothing was added to the story. Now that's interesting. Why come out with the article then? Maybe something was afoot, but the powers that be at St. Casmer's put the old hush-hush on it, if you know what I mean. Anyway, let's dig a little deeper in this article and see what we find. We haven't seen anything here but ourselves, observed the pastor, Monsignor Vincent Wraith. The good Monsignor was not the only person who denied these claims. Apparently, the statesman actually interviewed Copcut's grandchildren, and one of them, and I quote here, answered quite angrily, there's nothing to it, she said emphatically. Okay, but I mean, if there's nothing to it, why are you getting so crazy? We're just asking a couple questions. Now, this article goes on to quote a gentleman by the name of Frank Mack, who claims when he was passing by Nepperhand Avenue on a trolley every night that he did indeed see apparitions within the windows of the mansion. Now, I mean, the article tries to get a little cute here by saying a haunting rectory might seem equivalent to robbing a police station. Well, maybe so. But this goes back to the same question I asked in the beginning of the show. Does the fact that a religious institution purchased a supposedly haunted location, does that add fuel to the fire of the paranormal entities, or does it squash it? We, we talked about that whole fight of good versus evil. And if there is anything to this, I mean, I'm thinking that it might add to it. It might act as a catalyst, if you will, especially if it's something of a demonic nature. So, I mean, I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss it, Harold Statesman. Uh, it, it mentions here at the end, now residing in a spacious mansion are the Reverend Edmund Fabisinski, Pastor Joseph Kozwalski, and get this, Reverend Eugene Kosnick. Now, I knew him as Father Eugene Kosnick because, like I said early in the show, I am fairly familiar with this place because, believe it or not, they actually added a school. St. Casmer's School <laughs> was added to the property. And you know who attended St. Casmer's School for a decade from grades kindergarten through eighth grade? Throughout the entire decade of the 1980s, yours truly attended St. Casmer's School. I had access, access granted to the Cop Cut Mansion, to the church, to the convent. I mean... Not open access, I couldn't just <laughs> walk in there with my friends and whatnot, but if we had to make deliveries or we got in trouble, you'd have to have detention up in the convent or, you know, they'd send you to the church or something like that. But 
myself and our expert military correspondent, T-Bone, actually attended St. Casimir School with me. So we are very well-versed on this topic, <laughs> or at least we like to think we are. But, you know, just seeing the name Father Eugene that brought back a, a lot of good memories. And uh, there was another priest there at the time, Father Robert, who I really liked. Really good guys. And the nuns that we had there at the time, Sister Alice Jones, Sister Helen, uh, Sister Josephine, I'm trying to remember all of them. Uh, just it was just such a, such an amazing place to go to school and to, uh, to to spend my childhood. I really really enjoyed it. But you know, going back to this article that was written in '72, it wasn't until 1980, a mere eight years later, that I rolled up on the scene. That's when I first started attending St. Casmers, and I'm telling you, from the time I got there to present day, so we're looking at 1982. You know, 2022, 42 years ago, things have not changed a bit. I mean, aesthetically, there are some changes, but if you're looking at the layout of the, the, the property, it is exactly the same. So let's just go out to Nepperhanny Avenue for a second and let's stand out there like a bunch of freaks, a bunch of tourists just waiting to get mugged. And I'm going to give you a visual representation of <laughs> what this place looks like. If you're still with me. So if you're looking at the property straight on, you have, to your left, you have the John Cupcut Mansion, which is the rectory. And outside there, you have a statue. And you have a wrought iron fence that protects that area. And it actually protects the, the whole perimeter of the school there. And then if you move to the right, you have a stairwell. And those stairs lead down into a parking lot and eventually into the school. And if you make your way back up the stairs, to the right of that, you have St. Casmus Church, which I might add is truly one of the most beautiful churches you're ever going to see in the entire world, not just in New York State. And I'm not just saying it because I have ties to the place, but it is truly beautiful inside and out. And then to the right of the church, you have the, the modern day convent. Remember that the mansion was the old convent and they built a new one. Now, I was talking to uh, T-Bone before the show and ask him if they remember any bizarre happenings that took place. T-Bone was talking about the fact that he used to be an altar boy there. and uh, <laughs> So they would have access to different parts of the church and the school that the rest of us non-altar boys <laughs> wouldn't have access to. Access denied. And he was telling me about these back staircases where they kind of wrapped around the back of the building, but they were very narrow and there was a door at one end and a door at the other, but there were no windows and it was a very narrow hallway. And he would talk about times where he'd be there and then doors would just slam shut. I mean, so that's enough to really creep out a little kid. You know, that's, that's something, <laughs> or a grown adult. There was a lot of that type of stuff going on, but... You know, all in all, there is something to uh, this location, I would say, because um, if you're looking at it from a street level, it doesn't look very huge, but you got to realize that the back end of this property drops down, I would say, a good six to seven stories. So you have Neverhand Avenue on one side, and then you have all the buildings, but then it drops down to St. Casuals Avenue on the back side. If you look at the building, it actually looks like that palace that that those nerds from Harry Potter went to school at. I mean, the place is enormous. I'm telling you, as a little kid, it creeped you out because the enormity of the place in comparison to the, the lack of people in there, because the, the, the classroom sizes and the overall faculty was very small. So <laughs> you could literally walk 
uh, the length of an entire hallway, like 40 yards, and not come across another living soul. And it was always very dimly lit, too, I might add. But, you know, that that added to the whole lore of this place. And I had been in the rectory, um, because when I had got there, it was officially the rectory. So I'd been in this John Cupcut mansion. And that is probably the most inviting place on the entire ground. It's very well lit. It's very spacious. I never got a bad vibe in there. But uh, I will say that I did get a bad vibe in one location. And I I can only speak from my own personal experience here. I mean, (laughs) sometimes when you'd get in trouble as a kid, what they would do at a Catholic school, like you'd have to go (laughs) perform like a a, a menial task. So I'd have to like go to the convent after school and and clean or, or some shit like that. So I remember one time I had I had to stay after I got in trouble for something, and the the sister there the nun led me down this convent, and I'm telling you the hallways of this place were so dark, and so eerie, and they had statues on either side, like three to four foot tall statues, but they were on these elevated surfaces. So you'd be walking past these statues that that hovered above you and they had lighting, but the lighting would be at the feet of the statue. It would kind of uh, accentuate the face. These were about as realistic looking statues as you could come across. And I don't know if that was part of their methodology to kind of scare the shit out of little kids in order to get them to behave. But all it took was one time for me to be walked down that convent hallway, and I didn't even care about whatever job they made me do. I just had to make it back past those statues on the way out. So if I'm looking at this property as a whole, uh, my honest assessment would be that, yeah, yeah, there's definitely something going on in there. I mean, it's a religious institution. You've had many people come and go throughout the years, in a place that was constructed so long ago, many people associated with it have passed away, some good, some bad. So inevitably, at least I believe, you're going to encounter some form of spirit. And like I said, I mean, for me, <laughs> the one building on that entire piece of property that I would be most uncomfortable with, taking a stroll in even today, would be the convent. <laughs> And that's not a mark against the nuns or the priests or the teachers. They all treated me great, and my friends and I all loved going to school there. But it definitely <laughs> it definitely is a place that can freak you out just by, like I said, the, 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 just by the sheer size of it. But I have nothing, and I mean nothing but good things to say about St. Charismus Parish and St. Charismus School. I realize that this story is probably going to bore a lot of you guys, but for me, it was fun to do. It was nice to take a little trip down memory lane. But going back to the John Cupcut Mansion, do I think that there's any validity to the initial claims that the good people of Nepperhan Avenue saw paranormal entities emerging from the grounds of the mansion? I'm 50-50 on it. I'm more so, I'm more skeptical, I would say. But if I were to pinpoint anything, I would think that it was due to a jealous rage on the part of John Cupcut himself when he saw that statue erected and felt that he was no longer the rightful owner of that mansion and those grounds. Now, someone else's presence was being honored each and every time 
someone walked past the old cop cut mansion. So that's it. That is the case of the haunted John Cupcut Mansion of Yonkers, New York. And I hope you guys enjoy that little tale. I go down to Yonkers a couple times a year, and uh, I always stop by the school. And uh, now I'm going to be a little more aware, possibly even a little more hesitant to approach the old Thaddeus Kaciechko statue outside. I'm going to say it. The St. Casmer's Rectory. I hope that doesn't piss off John Copcott too much, but uh, we'll see what happens. So uh, let me get the rundown, and I can get the hell out of here for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us on Facebook, uh, Between the Cracks Podcast, or Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. Anywhere you go digging between some cracks, (laughs) you might be able to find us. If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free to do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. Now, with all that said, I think it's time I wish to find, find people out in podcast land the fondest. Oh, a farewell.